Bob Johansson has just sold his software company for a massive profit, which he then uses to sign up for cryopreservation. Not long after, he is hit by a car and instantly killed. 117 years later, he wakes up in a new country that was the result of a theocratic coup overtaking most of the US and Canada. North America is not the only place that has changed. The world is broken up into six large factions with levels of tension that put the Cold War to shame. The new regime does not assign any rights to the cryopreserved, making Bob the property of the state. His brain has been scanned and uploaded onto a hard drive equipped with an interface called Guppy. Bob, ever practical, adapts quickly to this surprising lifestyle and learns from his handler, Dr. Landers, that he is a candidate for a mission to explore the universe as a von Neumann probe. This mission would require him to travel to distant stars and explore their systems, seeking planets that humans might colonize, as well as replicating himself and passing on his directive to an ever-increasing swarm of Bobs. Bob is thrilled by the opportunity to do what is to him a dream job, and overcomes the many hurdles that come with adaptation to life as a computer with enthusiasm. When he is eventually launched, he escapes just in time to avoid destruction in a nuclear war that overtakes the planet. He knows he will face competition from probes launched by other factions. Bob's meet and battle a Brazilian probe and its copies multiple times throughout the series. After arriving at his first system, Bob replicates himself five times and the new Bobs each come with their own personalities and autonomy going on to create their own lineages of Bobs. The series follows several iterations of Bob as they each pursue missions which interest them, including the evacuation of humanity's remnants from Earth as a nuclear winter settles over the planet, assisting with settling humans on alien planets, terraforming planets for human colonization, investigation of primitive intelligent extraterrestrial life, and defending humanity from existential threats from itself and others. The Bobs as a whole grapple with their status as a new race outside of humanity, the risk of insanity in a digital existence, what it means to have a soul, the complexities of relationships between mortals and immortals, and where they should draw the line regarding their interference in alien and human affairs. Many of these issues remain unresolved as the series concludes, but this is just the beginning for Homo Sideria. Hello, and welcome to Sci-Fi Sidebar. I'm your co-host, Cece. And I'm Peter, your other co-host. This week we're talking about the Babaverse trilogy, our first series. And our favorite. Well, <laughs> that's true. <strong. laughs> that's rude. <laughs> Don't be rude to the other books. Top three? Huh? Top three? What are you saying? Top three? Oh, top three. Yes, probably top three. It's definitely one of our favorite Yay. series that we've read recently. And I think it should be a really good conversation. Not to set high expectations. <laughs> <laughs> we'll never live up to it. It's easy. If they're listening to our podcast, they should never have high expectations. <laughs> Peter, there are so many Bobs to choose from. Whose story do you want to start with? Or should we talk about Bobs from a macro perspective? I don't know. I think we should talk about Bob the Man. Bob Johansson, the original Bob? The OG Bob, yes. <laughs> the OB, so to speak. Oh, God. All right. No. So my question for you is, would you consider what he did? Like, the whole preservation thing, would you consider ever doing that if, say, a reliable service was created, or there was a real chance of revival, or you had the money? Would you do it? I would do it under one circumstance, and that's if everyone I love also did it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, okay. That's fair. Yeah, because, like, that just seems depressing to me. Like, I don't love... I mean, this is going to sound terrible. Pardon the phrasing. I don't love life enough <laughs> to want to live it without like all the people that I love. You know what I mean? Like we've talked about how you'd give up pretty easily. That's come up already. Actually. It's frequently discussed my apparent like apathy towards living. No guys, I'm fine, I promise. But the point is like mm. the people you love are what makes worth life worth living and I would not cling to life in that way i guess personally if it was just gonna be me like that depresses me the idea of waking up in 200 years and being alone in the world having to make new friends I peter it's hard enough that. to make new friends as an adult imagine that's a good point. <laughs> being taken out of your own century okay okay fair point i guess the only way bob i mean bob mentions the only way he can really get away with it is because he's such a loner he talks about that pretty frequently yeah he was basically like purpose designed to do this 
which is weird because he also talks about like how much he loved like his family like so it was not like out of any like issues with his family that he was still loner it was just like his personality oh yeah no totally he talks about like just chilling with his dad in the quiet I mean, help Peter, you do that at holidays. So you just, like, walk away and go sit somewhere quietly. <laughs> you do that, that Xavier do, does do. that. It's, like, not uncommon. I do do it. No, Xavier and I go somewhere together and just sit there in the quiet. Yeah. Just chill. And Play on your phones or whatever. Yeah, just just, just, take, just take a sec. Still with family, else. but also not talking to anyone, because that's what you prefer to do for a minute. So, so, wait, so, like, I don't think I would need all of our family, like, everyone I left him with. <laughs> Okay, Peter, who wouldn't you need? <laughs> Let's talk Who'd about I pick? that. <laughs> pick your team for your Earthbound Afterlife. <laughs> How much do I get? How many slots do I have? <laughs> no, you can't do this. <laughs> this is not a game that doesn't do this anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Millie will, so if you don't pick Millie, you're screwed. <laughs> uh, no, so, I mean, like, I, I could deal with, like, a cup. Like, I, could, I think I could be, like... Also, I'd be good for a while. If I was alone, I think I'd be fine for, like, a long time. Because I'd just be engrossing myself in, like, the history, like, the centuries of history that I missed. Yeah, I mean, that would be the real reason why, I'd be right? super into that. Yeah, figuring it out. I was talking to my coworker about um, immortality. And he was saying that, like, you would become this sort of sage of humanity. Like, if you were the only immortal person, like, I guess it would suck to lose people over time, but you would become, like, a vessel of history. You'd be the one who remembered it all. And that's pretty cool. CC, it's Keel from the last Mortal Bond, the Bla- the Emperor's Blades trilogy. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh! Emperor, the, uh, yeah, Keel. You described Keel. Oh my god, how am I drawing a blank on all this? This is not the good historian content. The Historian Accessory. <laughs> what? Which part? Anyway, the Historian Accessory. Anyway. That's uh, that's that's fantasy. And oh yes, that guy's sci-fi. the best. He's the best. Yeah. That's exactly yes, exactly that. Guys, if you're into yeah, guys, fantasy if you like, books, if you like fantasy, the Emperor's Blade series is really good. Despite the fact that I completely forgot about it for a minute. Yeah, well, you suck. That's fine. Anyway, yeah. so moving on to sci-fi, what we're here for. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that's true. But also, like, it occasionally pisses me off that I will never know what happens. Like. Yeah. No, I, will, I totally like, get that. Like. The world will go through millennia, or, you know, hopefully <laughs> millions crossed. of years of change. <laughs> uh, fingers crossed. Or 20 more. I mean, there will go out. through that much change, it's just the humanity might not see it. Okay, yeah, but, like, the universe, or the scope of the universe is so much more than I will ever be able to see. It kind of makes me mad. I know. It makes me really upset. Like, I feel like, cheated. There's not going to be interstellar travel in my lifetime. There's just not. If there is, it will be an incredibly surprising thing. <laughs> Yeah, it'll be... It's definitely the outside chance of interstellar travel happening in your life. Oh, oh, wait. Voyager's gotten interstellar now. Sort of. Okay. Reliable human interstellar travel. <laughs> With, like, actual feedback. Hey, how about that NASA warp drive? It's coming. Is it? Uh, no. Science news? Uh, kind of? It It's, like, one of those things where it's, like, there's so little public information about it. It's either there's actually nothing there and the public's just taking it way out of proportion, or there might be actually be something there and they are just hmm. not saying anything. Uh, but it's probably nothing. I know people talk about like warp travel as being not completely like conceptually impossible, which is obviously yeah, a, the idea of space. a great situation. <laughs> not completely impossible, we think, maybe. I mean, one point splitting the atom was like that, so, you know. That's true. No, lots of things have been. So... Um, anyway, anyway, that's all completely off. off trap. But yeah, so you said you Side would do it ball. as long as you had like someone, just out of sheer yeah, curiosity. If I had someone, like if yeah, you got married, yeah, maybe had your spouse like, with you, that type of a thing. Yeah, that'd be pretty chill. That'd be chill. Or like you know, or Liam. <laughs> or Liam. Uh, I, I like some friends. You know, like just somebody I, I like, like a small anchor group you to your humanity. Because I'll come to hate that person. That's true. But like, you know, I. I don't. I don't need like our entire extended family. Like I. I think I would be. I would suck and I'd be sad. Very sad. Yes. But like I think I could. I think I could live with it. No, that's fair. Maybe all the people I, I love is suicidal. a little bit juvenile. But many of the people I love would be good. You goddamn child. <laughs> oh, she loves her family. <laughs> what a nerd. Whatever, Peter. I don't need you in my future. I'm your family, though. Ha. Damn it. Checkmate. By my own terms, he has to come with. <laughs> but okay so moving on I just I thought that was cool kind of cool how Bob made that decision to 
preserve his life. Yeah, especially I think he definitely he's that, a certain like, kind of person. Especially because, like, he was kind of depressed because of that whole girl thing. Yeah, and he, but even so, he was like, nah, fam, I'm gonna live forever. <laughs> yeah, he was, even like, he was like, straight up having panic attacks and everything. Yeah, he was like, you know what would be cool? To have these forever. It's actually interesting awesome. that that was included in the book. Like, that whole Jenny yeah. thing. It ended up having, like, really no purpose, unless it was just to, like, establish Bob's character. Like, you know, it's not that he, like, wants to be alone, but, you know, he's okay with it, kind of. Yeah, well, maybe it showed that, like, he is a social creature and is capable of, you know, building human relationships and bonds. But he's also, he can accept, and, you know, he comes to rely on them, as shown by his anxiety attacks. But he can live without them. So I think it has some, maybe some depth to Bob. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's fair, that's fair. Um, even so, if I were Bob, I would have been really disappointed when I woke up and I was a computer <laughs> and, like, couldn't move anything. And, <laughs> like, obviously things are not awesome for him, but <laughs> he basically woke up and was told, like, you're property of the state, the state is kind of an asshole, um, you might end up just sort of doing a job forever, if you're lucky, so... Or you die. Or you die. Or we shut you down. And we've taken away, like, (laughs) any chance of you ever coming back a different way, so bye. Yeah, no, I definitely, uh, that would really suck. That'd be a real bummer. (laughs) That would be a bummer, it's true. Because, like, the scan, yeah, because they mentioned, like, not incredibly early on, but, like, in the first couple sessions that the scanning process required destroyed the tissue. Yeah. So, like, there was no Bob brain anywhere. The original Bob Johansson was gone. Yeah, exactly. And that's a that's a big debate Bob has from the get is, like, am I Bob? Or, you know, I'm a copy of Bob. So, like, if you want to believe in this, the idea of souls, right? Like, you could say, and obviously this isn't Bob's belief, but you could say, like, the soul of the original Bob Johansson has gone on to whatever the next step is and has been copied also on Earth. So, like, even then, that would be a split. Yeah. I mean, it, it comes down to, like, you know, what, kind of, what your spirituality is. Like, if the spirituality is the human consciousness, like... Yeah. If, you, if that's the belief you subscribe to, which is kind of in the way, the way I'm leaning, because, you know, what makes humans unique? It makes humans are unique because of their intelligence, their ability to reason, their emotions. Yeah. That's what makes humans unique. Right. Like, that unique identity and personality that comes with consciousness. So, to me, that's probably the closest physical manifestation we're going to get to, like, the idea of the soul. Right. And within this universe, like, it's very clear that that is captured physically. Otherwise, this process wouldn't be possible. There is no, like, metaphysical spirit. Bob also talks about how he... Like, that question of whether or not he's actually Bob comes up more later when he starts making his copies. Yeah. And they're not quite him. They're actually like, pretty different from him in some senses. But Bill points it out. He's yeah. like, what makes you think you're exactly the same as the original Bob? Right. And, you know, from the minimal time we had with Bob Johansson on, you know, in the 21st century, they, yeah, he seems kind of similar. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, they're all similar in their could... own way. They're all a part of him. Right. I look at the idea that it comes to the point where he's like, every single you know, iteration is a part of the original Bob. Like, taken together, they make up Bob. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he's got the antisocial side, but he's also got, like, the kind of Joker side, and, you know, there are moments where he seems humorless, and, you know, I feel like the one thing that binds them all together is they're all, like, real big problem solvers. Mm-hmm, definitely. Which, again, is part of why he's, like, so per-, per- excuse me, perfect for this mission. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. They all kind of can put aside whatever they're feeling and just deal with the problem. Yeah, exactly. What's weird is, like... like Mario did that. Down the line, when there's sort of, like, so many Bobs that there's a hierarchy, it's just interesting how there are people who are like, oh, yeah, we're, like, nobodies. <laughs> it's like, but you're all Bob. <laughs> but, they're, but they're cool with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're not, like, mad because they remember being the guy in charge and now they're, like, an underling. I just think it's funny how yeah. they just sort of accept it, like, well, that's the way of things. I mean, do you think that, like those bobs like how do you think those original memories of bob manifest because they think of them as their memories because there's that one moment where um howard is talking to is it bridget and he's saying like she's like how old are you and he's like well i lived this many years as bob johansson and this many years as bob one and lived this many years as i don't know who created howard bill probably bill bill created (laughs) a ton bill was very uh 
prolific. But yeah, he's like, these are the many years that I lived at so-and-so and so-and-so. This is how many relative years it was with the light travel. <laughs> like, um, Yeah, so I, th- I think they really consider that their lives. Yeah. I mean, so they like become less important over time in a way. <laughs> no, but like, you know, think about it to your childhood. Like, I don't know. To me, like my early, early memories didn't seem like me. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Like, even within your actual own life, where it's not complicated and you're you. Yeah, I'm just like a human being that's had the same brain the whole time. <laughs> same um, brain, same body. Just kind of chilling. Let's go. Um, no, so, like, my childhood doesn't seem like me. Yeah. It seems like a deal. And, you know, and in my childhood, like, I ranked myself differently in, you know, my own way. Like, maybe I saw myself as more important or not less important as a child. And now, you know, as you come to adulthood, like, you start kind of seeing the world differently and maybe they view their stages of seeing the world as their different iterations and they only really care about the current one the current manifestation yeah i was just at my high school a couple weeks ago and it like it definitely it seemed familiar in the way that like something that you see on tv is familiar you know what i mean (laughs) like yes it was very eerie i was like this doesn't feel like it was my life here and i I mean no that was like i'm what like eight years out of high school but yeah. Still, it seems, like, really foreign to me. I mean, I don't know. You can... Even less than that. Like, I, I visited uh, my old Cap Squadron on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And I was walking... I was wandering around. I was like, it was very weird. Do you want to tell the people because... what Cap is? Not really. <laughs> it's just a program I was involved in. Think Boy Scouts, but not shitty. Um, <laughs> Peter, what if our listeners are Boy Scouts? Yeah, well, fuck me. Uh, <laughs> no. We love you guys. Several of them are from out of the country. They're probably not Boy Scouts. <laughs> Um, so, no, the, the point is that, like, even, like, something I, like, did actively, like, I did it semi-actively, like, in the summer, but my, you know, but it, I'm, I'm pretty far removed from it, like, I, I've gone to college, I've had, you know, several, I've had many experiences since then, it's, it changes my perspective on it. Yeah. Going back. Because you were a different person then, really. Just as these yeah, bobs exactly. were different people before they are who they are now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's kind of true. So, I think... But they also have perfect computer probably, memories, so... There's that. Yeah. Which sounds like, sweet, by like, the way. So I have a terrible memory. It's like if you... <laughs> I don't know. What if you did shitty things, Cece? What? What if you did shitty things or bad things happen to you? That's true. Oh, my God. You know that anxiety you get when you're like, I said something really mean to somebody who I only sort of like <laughs> eight years ago. <laughs> and you still feel terrible about it. Honestly, though, I... Uh, There's like, I, I had lost... a moment in freshman year of high school that I still look back on with shame. <laughs> I have several. I lost an iPod when I was like five or no. You lost an iPod. And I had like eight. Remember that square shitty Nano I had? Yeah. It was like somebody else's before it was yours. No, I know I was given that. You were given an iPod Um, when you were eight. Ugh, fifth child. No, I think I was like ten at the time. I don't actually remember. I was old enough to use a computer and like use iTunes. Anyway. Um. So I lost it on vacation apparently I didn't lose it apparently got put into a weird pocket of a backpack and I <laughs> that's what always happens uh, I just lost my iPod that same way like last summer <laughs> but like seven like seven months later I uh, woke up I could not sleep because I was just thinking about this damn iPod <laughs> and I felt so bad about it and I went into mom and dad's room and confessed that I lost the damn iPod <laughs> and it upset me so much <laughs> I was such a guilty child I was the guiltiest. <laughs> um, anyway, still carries on. But yeah, no, I mean, that's true. If, if you have a perfect memory. Think how bad you feel now, remembering things that you did when you were a kid. Imagine how bad you'd feel if your memory was flawless. And Bob does some shit. Suck. He is far from infallible, because he is a human, like, even still. Yeah, and I think they kind of bring that up at some point. They're like, look, we still make mistakes. Like, especially when they were dealing with, like, the, it became very prevalent when they were dealing with the, uh, the new UN on earth oh my god yeah and Riker was like I'm I hate them all <laughs> I'm so mad at he them he's talking when, about when Homer got real with him and he was like look dude you're doing a bad job because these people are like have a existential threat they're staring down the barrel of and you're like being impatient with them I want to talk about generally speaking like when Riker would finish his calls with the UN and just be like fuming about it <laughs> poor like, Riker I don't know I don't know about you but your, my laptop doesn't fume you know <laughs> Like, I think that was, like, a very human... I think that kind of reminded oh, me of the humanity. Oh, I see what the emotional response. Of huge emotional distress. Exactly. Well, which is why they turned and off the endocrine thing. That's a very human response. The endocrine dampener. Sorry? Oh, yeah. 
I mean, there were a couple times where they were like, maybe I should turn that back on. And there were a couple times they did. And I can totally see how that'd be useful. Oh my god, can you imagine? Yeah, just like chill for a second? Yeah, no, I mean, like, there was a time when Bob had to fight uh, Medeiros, and he was like, "Mm, I'm gonna turn that on. And he, like, he's like, I feel terrified right now, and, like, thank god I had the Kendrickan response turned on right now, because I can't imagine what it would be like if I didn't. Alright, like, not to bring up the, uh, the the Emperor's Blades again, but, like, it's kind of like the Kenyatta for, uh... Yes! For Caden. It is, it's like... exactly the, like that. I can't believe you're remembering all these terms. I'm listening to it right now. Uh... <laughs> oh, you are? Okay, that explains... I was wondering why you were bringing yeah. up so many references from these books we read, like, I a mean, year ago. These are... These are relevant references, but yes, I am currently re-listening to the series. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I do like that, uh... That idea of, like... How do we get down this tangent? The endocrine response? No, look, the whole tangent. This seems like one long tangent. We're talking about Bob, except for when you're trying to talk about the Emperor's Blades. <laughs> can, can we just switch? No. This is the fantasy of Sci-fi sidebar. Emperor's Blades. Sci-fi sidebar. Yeah, you know what's a hell of a sidebar? Another genre. <laughs> Another genre. It's the ultimate sidebar. We cracked it. <laughs> oh, guys, forgive us. Anyway. We, we, bro- we broke the fourth sidebar. <laughs> no, that's such a stupid joke. I hate you. <laughs> So we can talk about Riker now? Let's talk about Riker. We're tangentially okay. related to him. Go. You, you want to start? Yeah, so I think Riker ended up with his shit job. <laughs> <laughs> Just because he had, like, some latent curiosity about what was going to happen to humanity. And you know what? Thank God he went, because it was, like, literally about to be wiped off the face of the earth by some asshole. Yeah, he was dicked. Um, they were dicked. This is what happens when you give, like, immense powers to non-scientists, guys. <laughs> when the Brazilians were, like, doing their scorched earth tactic and about to drop, like, Yucatan-level bombs. Well, excuse me. Asteroids on the earth. And basically yeah, wipe out hell? what was left. That made me so mad. Right. It's like, but I could totally see someone doing that. Especially in a world that just oh went my- to nuclear war. Like, clearly they're all assholes. Like, not that hard. Like Seriously, like, weapons like that... There's no going back from it. Yeah. It's done. Like, You're I'd done. rather see humanity just... I want to see humanity survive in some form than, like, more than I want to see, like, my country survive. Oh, my God, I know. Like, Don't you have any, like, species loyalty? Well, because, like, eventually, eventually, there's... You know, even if it's an extreme loyalty to your own country, mm-hmm. one, your country's doomed anyway, but maybe, like, maybe you can survive in some form into the future and, like... If it's, you know, it comes to country loyalty, maybe you can bring back your nation in some form. It was crazy, too. Well down the line, once humans survived. Yeah, Brazil got nuked. There were still Brazilians alive. It's not like they were wiped yeah, off not... the earth. Yeah, and there was, like, a significant amount. Yeah, there was enough to have, like, like There was cities. enough to, like, form a pretty... wasn't a there couple was a dozen. There enclave. They had their own colony ship. Or they had, like, a colony ship that had, like, a little bit of shared space. Yeah, some other people and mostly Brazilians. Yeah, it was mostly Brazilians. And those colony ships had, like, a bunch of people. Yeah, 10,000. I think. Yeah, okay, so fuck Brazilians well, in this book. In this book, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a little unfair to Brazilians. They've got some, like, <laughs> really <laughs> obsessed people. shit! Well, but I mean, it's sort of like, um, I think it's interesting that Faith chose Bob, not to go back to that, but just because he, like, they have that interview thing where they're, like, trying to figure out what his beliefs are and whether he'll be loyal or not, and, like, he doesn't really bullshit them. He's kind of like, yeah, you know, I went to church sometimes, like, but not really by my own free will. Like, he doesn't act like he's a Christian fundamentalist, and they're still like, yeah, you can represent us in the universe. I mean, I don't know, like, coming from the 21st century, how many of those people that froze their brain were Christian fundamentalists? Yeah, but, I mean, you saw how, like, crazy Faith was. Yeah, although I think he, what he's... Mostly what he said, like, he sounded frank about it. Like, he was like, yeah, look, there might be something, there might be not. I personally have not seen evidence of it, but that doesn't mean it's not there. I think the fact that he didn't outright deny any sort of religious options yeah. kind of gave them faith. And they're like, all right, look, this guy's like a pretty ca- a very capable candidate, and he acknowledges that, you know, God could could be waiting out there for whatever faith vessel gets out there, or whatever heaven vessel gets out there. Do you think that's what I they were trying to do, important. find God? No, I don't think it's what they were trying to do, but I think it's probably proper. I don't think it's what they were actually trying to do, but propaganda is a pretty powerful tool. <laughs> There's probably a, a von Neumann probe <laughs> out there <laughs> um, playing God on our planet, which is basically yeah, what Bob did to the Deltons. But we'll See, get to him. Yeah, though, seriously. We're talking about humanity now. <laughs> How it almost right. destroyed itself. Um, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, humanity was as big an existential threat to itself as the others were. Maybe a bigger one. 
I mean, if you want to make it real for a second, we're currently an existential threat to ourselves. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> you want to get real? Like, it's not even... Yeah, it's not even, like, a, a variable or, like, a maybe situation. It's, like, if we keep doing shit the way we do shit, we'll kill our <laughs> Not even an option. It's so not funny, but I'm laughing. CC, <laughs> laugh so we don't cry. Laugh, laugh so, so you don't cry. cry. Got it. Um, yeah, no, you're, uh, you're right. It's not inconceivable that within 100 years or 50 years or 10 years, we could go from where we are now to, like, post-nuclear war. On the other hand, though, like, let's not be so, like, you know, frank and sad, like... We could totally turn it around. But That's like, true. We don't have to go that the, way. We have a choice. The future that is in this series is something I can totally see happening. Yeah. And, like, not 200 years from now, like, in the book, oh but, God. like, actually in the next 50 years. Yeah, like, when they were explaining the faith thing, I was just like, oh, God, it's so real. Just, like, the like, idea faith of, like, oh, they ex- they elected this extremist, and then, you know, he brought disaster to the country. They reelected somebody, like, the complete opposite of him the next year. And then, like, the first guy came back and made a coup and acted like he was legitimately elected and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, I can see that with our current situation. Wait, is, is that how it happened? I thought it was, like, the first guy was, like, a very left, like, you know, he was, he was no, he was the country's first uh, atheist. No, the second guy. President. So, <clears throat> Peter, you still re-listened. The, uh, the faith guy, who was his, Handleton, ha- Handles. <laughs> Handleton Handle. was where they were. Um, Handel was elected. He was like the unapologetic fundamentalist Christian extremist guy, like gutted the government, filled it with his cronies, like all fundamentalist Christians, didn't really care about their credentials, paid no mind to any of that, brought the country and the world to like this economic collapse. It was a total freaking disaster. So the next year they uh, elect or the next election, they elected a um, very extreme, like open atheist, like complete opposite of Handel guy. And that guy was overthrown by Handel coming back and being like, oh, it was the will of the people. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> created faith, basically. That's right. Okay, okay. That's how it went down. And I'm like, not so much in the Christian fundamentalist way, but in every other way, I could see that going down with him who must not be named. Yeah, which is, like, really appalling and terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's part of the issue with, like, such a large country. Like, there's so many different, very, 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 very different groups. So and like, I don't know. I feel like it doesn't take one much power for much momentum for it to swing in one way or the well, other. Well, that's the thing. It's like our own country is trying to tear itself apart right now. It's not that hard to imagine the world trying to tear itself apart. You know, there's more differences between other countries and us, and there are between us and each other. You know, does that make sense? What I'm saying? Right. And I, yeah, I get the feeling that like, well, you know, something we're actually kind of seeing in some ways now. Like, each country is consolidating power in its region. Like, China's, like, you know, consolidating its own power in its region. Yeah. You know, taking, you know, like, the island chains are trying to get greater influence over the smaller Asian countries in the Far East over there. That's true. Um, the EU is becoming more united, with the exception of Brexit. <laughs> yeah. but, like, they're tying tie themselves more closely together. Sure. So, like, it's not totally unrealistic <clears throat> that, you know, Britain could come back into the fold, the EU could become a formalized, nation, almost nation-state. At least in terms of foreign uh, foreign policy. I don't know why anyone would want that, honestly, because, like, how well has that worked out for us? Like, okay, our country still exists, right? The U.S. still exists, but... <laughs> we're rocking it. Yeah, we're, we're chill. We're, like, extremely divided. You know, we've had civil wars. We have a lot of conflict now. Fortunately, not to that level yet, but, you know, God forbid. Um, but the point is, like... <laughs> Our problem is that we are big enough, like, geographically and in other ways, that we have so many different groups. And I feel like if I was Europe, I'd be like, I'm cool with a tight alliance. I'm not cool with becoming the same country. <laughs> well, no, I mean, like, internally, sure, there's still different countries. Like, I could see them still being different countries. Well, that's what the EU is, like, then. No, right. But, like, in terms of foreign diplomacy, I mean, like, you know, America can still go in and treat with just Spain. But, like, instead of that, it's, like, okay, America tries to go make trade deals with the EU instead. Okay, yeah. Okay, I can see what you're saying. I guess I could see that. Like, uh, yeah, exactly. Like, the diplo- foreign diplomacy being different. It's like if, you know, Pennsylvania and New York were making negotiations for river rights or something. That's true. Yeah. Uh, definitely, like, individual U.S. states do not have as many autonomous rights as different European countries. Right. I could see, yeah, I could see them doing something like that. But that's, like consolidating power and becoming a more powerful collection. Yeah. So that, you know, if if China, with its billion people, managed to consolidate power in that region, then who's going to confront them? Britain? No. The EU. Right, that's true. Though I think that's how it would go down now. 
I think that's kind of We have of the UN, that, sort of. Well, the, all right, the UN doesn't really work. Um, <laughs> but the point is, it's like the UN is the one who, like, condemns people and, like, makes it kind of okay to go to war and stuff like that. Right. I mean, okay, so we're, we're, we're getting way off, but... We're not, we're not here to talk about our current political climate. I haven't taken even a single That's our next class podcast. or anything else. You took a poli sci class, but I don't think it qualifies you. I didn't do very well on it. <laughs> so, don't listen to us. Point is, um, the world as Riker finds it is a fucking disaster. <laughs> the Brazilian probes are trying to destroy it, just sort of arbitrarily, because they're being sore losers, I guess. And there's, like, all these separated enclaves of humanity, and there's nuclear winter descending upon it. And Riker has to come in and, like, find all the humans, try to get them off planet, and they're all fighting because they're humans, and it's not like they were ever friendly in recent memory. And everyone's terrified and trying to get the hell out. So... Best sums it up. I feel bad for Riker, is my point. And there's also the added challenge of the solar system being basically stripped for resources. Yeah, that's true. Which I find to be ridiculous. Uh, yeah. Well, you know what's weird about this book is that I feel like it didn't give itself enough time to get to where it was. Like, politically, yeah, I see it. But they were, like, from zero to interstellar travel in 100 years. I find that a little bit dubious. No, I mean, that. no, I, I don't actually. No? Because we are just a couple key discoveries away from that idea. No, and, and I don't mean, like... Yes. And you know the, like, you know cryogenics is one thing. So we need cryogenics. We need a very efficient drive system. Yes. And we need reliable fusion power. Yes. What else do we need? I guess that's true. Because, yeah, because the cryogenics will let uh, human beings, but you know we can replace that with good AI, like real AI. Sure. Um, a a the, like uh, you saw, you've seen the things about the massless drive system that apparently China has developed. The what drive system? Massless drive system. Oh, that sounds exciting. Tell us. It produces thrust without it without a propellant. It produces thrust without propellant. How does it do that? Yeah. Well, so according, I mean, the reports out of China are dubious at best, <laughs> uh, as is most scientific reporting from China. Fair enough. But there, what they claim to have developed is a drive that. Uh, using electricity is able to convert electricity into uh, force, like linear, like axial force, without a propellant. Okay, how do they generate the electricity though? What's it, well, I mean, the electric they store the it in a battery is just or something. A, a current. Well, no, I mean they've never done it like in space. They've just done it like in a lab. Actually, I think they did it on a on a small. Um, they did it, like in a, in a temporary test station. Like yeah, they set up like a like a, basically a shuttle, except less, and they. You know, had like an electric system. They had like solar panels to get the current, but it was just, you know it's just a like electric current. But say theoretically, if that actually does exist, and you say hooked it up to, you know, a reactor, of some sort, let's say fusion. Um, then there you have your thrust, and now all you need is a controlling mechanism. <clears throat> you know, and and the issue with interstellar travel is not so much that the the massive distance, because while it is an issue, it's also, like, if you're going over a massive amount of time, massive distance, and you're accelerating the whole time, yeah. you can get pretty high speed. Okay. When you when we send things to Mars, there's a hard burn at the beginning, and then it kind of coasts. That's true. Like, most of that time is not accelerating. That's true. Yeah. Um, so that, that's the major issue. So we're not tech- theoretically that far from things like interstellar travel. It's just a couple big hurdles. Yeah. No, I guess that's fair. I. It's just thought it was interesting. They make a point of saying, like, theoretical science hasn't advanced, like, at all, but, um, like, engineering has advanced a ton. And I bristled a little bit at that, because I'm like, <laughs> don't make new discoveries without theoretical science, okay? Can you, you mean because you're the theoretical scientist? I'm not really. I'm both. I, I dabble in both. I just think that theoretical science is important to new discoveries, too. Like, tinkering and problem solving is good, and obviously can get you a really long way, but... I don't know if I totally buy that you can get that far in engineering without any theoretical science being advanced. Um, I mean, yeah. Well, things like, I think the idea is that they don't, they're like, well, we still don't know what's inside black holes, but we figured out this drive system, and that's kind of all we cared about there. Yeah, um, that's fair. I think, like, I get how they came up to it in some ways. Like, they decided that application was way more important than the theory behind it, so, like, they just tinkered until they found something that worked, and they didn't really care why it worked. Because they were in... Every country was in an arms with each other, and there was, like, five countries competing. Yeah. 
But I mean, like, the scut tech only could come to be because they were doing theoretical science, just, like, as an example of my point. Basically, Bill figured out the problem he had and was like, that's really interesting, I'm going to pursue that, and he pursued it, and then he eventually was able to apply it. Well, right, and I think that's the idea that, like, the Bobs were able to progress and discover things that were considered either impossible, or, yeah, actually were kind of considered impossible by the humans left on Earth, because, you know, Bob came from a time from our time where theoretical science at least among academic communities is still hold, held high right that's true you know maybe, yeah so it was valued to him he doesn't care but and he can exactly Bob it. came from a time where this was valuable um you know what we should talk about with earth is vehement yes which is very interesting and I can see happening I feel like there's kind of already low-key groups like that not obviously yeah, like children of time to that extent but people who think that we should you know restrict our uh, reproduction and that sort of a thing like the Paul Ehrlich people the population bomb people you feel like we're going to just yeah, run I mean, ourselves well, out of resources well they're not totally wrong I mean they're, um, they're not more, totally wrong but these people were like no we're going to stop reproducing altogether and um, just sort of let humanity die out because Earth deserves better in a way no, I, but we're like the we're trying to get off of again. Earth so yeah, vehement. I don't really. I mean, like vehement's kind. Vehement. I don't understand the same way. I don't like. The, I don't understand the Brazilians. Like the Brazilians decide that everyone dying is preferable to just them dying. I kind of. I don't understand, but I can. I can relate. I guess. Like. <laughs> Dark. Or I don't agree with. I, I can understand. <laughs> no, I know what you're saying. But like, you can see where that sort of mindset comes from. I mean, I feel like yeah, I can I see don't where the get vehement. the vehement mindset comes from to an extent. I mean, kind of harkens back to the annihilation thing where at the end the biologist was like, you know, maybe it's not such a bad thing if nature takes back over the planet. The vehement people are like, you know, we had our chance. We clearly botched it. Maybe we just let ourselves die. Maybe that's nature's course for us. Which is why they hated Bob so much because Bob was giving, well, I should say Riker, the Bobs. They hated the Bobs so much because the Bobs were giving humanity a chance to survive. And I guess from vehement's perspective, they were like, well, they're just going to ruin another planet, which, you know, we probably will. I think Veeman also saw the Bobs as kind of a perversion. They're like, okay, that's like, humanity's now been given basically what is essentially an immortal form. Yeah. I mean, definitely there were people who did. Including, I think, a lot of the faith people felt that way. Oh, what was his name? Crawford? Mm, No, it wasn't that. It was some sort of cur word. (laughs) Um, It was... Irrelevant. Uh... Is it, though? Ambassador... No. This is bad content. <laughs> We're not doing this. Cranston. 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 There you go. You did it. Mr. Cranston. Uh, yeah, no. He, like, kept referring to Riker as replicant. And yeah, he refused to really acknowledge hateful. his humanity. He's like, you're just a copy of a person. Which, I mean, technically he is, yeah, but was... that doesn't mean that he doesn't have any humanity left. I mean, yeah, he was, like, constantly giving him orders and treating him like he was just, like, a, a basic replicant. Yeah, he tried to override him, um, which is fucked. He's like, you're just, you're displaying too much free will. That was the thing about Faith. Like, they were willing to give um, this guy the privilege of, of the mission, but they were not willing to, like, trust him with it. They put all these overrides in place, which Bob purged, but... And the endocrine controls. Well, yeah, and the endocrine controls, which he also didn't, like, delete totally, but turned off. Yeah. But yeah, they had all these overrides in place so that he would have to follow his mission imperatives. And, like, Bob struggled with it. He struggled with the idea of cloning himself and everything like that. And making sure that really everything was gone. Yeah. But back to vehement. The real fucked up thing thing that they did, though, was um, what they did to Homer. Yeah. Okay. So, I I really wanted to talk about this because this is kind of the worst. Um, Basically, those overrides essentially worked eventually. Yeah. Demon got their hands on. Or was it the overrides? Or was it a hacker group? Um, I mean, they hacked him. I don't know what you're asking. Yeah, it was like it was vehement. Though, I, mean, I wasn't I think. sure if like if they if the I wasn't sure if vehement like used faith a faith override that was overlooked or something. Oh no, they hacked him. They weren't using okay, like so, placed overrides, but they knew. Yeah, so vehement managed to. They knew how to because faith stole the tech from Australia. Oh, that's right. Okay, so vehement. Uh, which was based in Australia at the time, were able to kind of hack Homer and force him to do their will and essentially uh, sabotage his own creations, which was actually the really fucked up thing to me. I know. And the fact that, like, Homer was aware the whole time that he was... It was literally being locked in, but as a machine that, you know, had immense power and could do immense damage to things that he cared about. 
Yeah, definitely. Especially because they talked about how Homer, like, didn't really have, you know, was a jokester and didn't really have a whole lot of direction. Just kind of, you know, around and just doing jobs. But he did. He had his that, donuts. Like, he found direction, you know? Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. He found direction in the in the farming donuts to provide food for humanity. Like, that was his thing. Yeah. Well, Riker did not give him any credit for a long time. He thought he was, like, kind of just some obnoxious jokester and wasn't taking anything seriously. But, like, he did care about humanity. He has that moment where he's like, you know, we all have differences, but we're all still Bob. Like, we still give a shit. Yeah. Exactly, and you know, and he like and he really straightened up when he came to the the donuts. Yeah. So like, vehement making him destroy the donuts. So sad. Or at least some of them was like the the worst part of that to me. And in this way, having this sort of perfect memory was to his great detriment because he like he couldn't purge himself of that experience. Yeah. He was unable to, like, free himself from what they had done to him, even after, you know, Riker had freed him. I mean, I imagine theoretically he could, like, if he just wanted to delete the the memory, because somewhere on a memory bank there's got to be a thing. Doesn't he address that? Like, I don't, I think he, I don't think they address it. I think they just, I, I get the idea that it's just, like, to do that would be to sacrifice a piece of the humanity that they weren't willing to give up. Maybe it was that he he could go back to like an old um, backup or something, but it was. It, oh, JP said that was basically like dying. Yeah, it was like dying anyway. So um, he deleted all his backups and he blew himself up. Yeah, that was a. Uh, that so yeah, that was a real bummer when Homer, Homer killed himself because like, you saw how it hit the other Bobs. Like, they had lost Bob's in battle, but they never had one of them go to suicide. Well, they lost Bob's in battle, but all of them... Well, not all of them, but most of them had backups, and they were able to restore them, technically. Well, yeah, I mean, even then, though, they talked about how the differential backups really aren't back... Like, aren't true backups. So, like, yeah. They look a closer copy. Yeah, exactly. The, I always thought about how, like... You know how the original Bob... Like, Bob Johansson was, you know, had his brain, whatever, frozen. And then, first replicant Bob was very similar to but must have had some differences to Bob Johansson. Like, yeah. But like but is very similar and more similar than the other Bobs are to the to first Bob. Mm-hmm. I think that's kinda like how the, the differential backups work. I think like it ends up being like a very, very close copy, but it's not quite the same thing. Right. Hey, that is true. I so mean there there were there were Bobs who died permanently, like they were trying to transmit backups but they didn't get out in time. Like early on when they were fighting Medeiros and they were underestimating him a little bit, and early on when they and encountered they the others, Scott. we will get to the others. Yeah. Um, but are we good? Are we good with the Earth system? We gotta keep this ball rolling. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think we're, we're good. Yeah. Well, I think we've already established that we're willing to make this two-hour, two-part episode. Yes, I think uh. we warned you guys that this is probably going to be a two-parter because we're doing a whole series and we love it, and there's a ton to talk about. And clearly, we can't stay on topic. And, and we're forty minutes in. And Peter wants to talk about the Emperor's blades, so. <laughs> that's the second half. All right. So the others? The others. Sure. Yeah. So Mario, who's this kind of um, uh, very introspective Bob, antisocial, uh, comes across, you know, this world that's, well, a whole system that's completely stripped of, like, all of its heavy metals, which is crazy. Can you imagine? Like, yeah, how like they that would stay be so put weird. together? You roll up and it's just like, here's carbon. Yeah. Cool. Basically, that's basically what happens, and I, yeah. So, so he comes across <laughs> this planet, and like all the life has been removed from it, but like he can see that there was a civilization there before. Like, there's still evidence of that. Exactly. There, there's some wreckages of a civilization, but it's just it's gone. He had no idea what the hell happened. Oh, it's so sad. But he found the um, the little ant guys. The little ant guys that like eat stuff up, which is really a brilliant mechanism on the part of the others. I gotta gotta give props where props are due. <laughs> Uh, remind me. I'm, I'm, I'm not remembering this. Remind me what that is. Basically, they roll up with, like, I think some of the little ant guys, and the little ant guys go and, like, harvest metal and feed it back to create more little ant guys. And then it's, like, this exponential growth system where they, like, harvest okay. everything out of the system, and then when they're done, all the ant guys get broken down into, like, component parts, into, like, the oh, different metals okay, and so refined, they- and then they go back to their, their home world with their refined metals. Uh- yeah, that's definitely pretty genius, actually. Yeah, it's like a really perfect system for, like, total scorched earth, we're taking everything type of a thing. Yeah, I know. I also think uh, that one of the really interesting things about the others is how their kind of societal structure works. Yeah. 
how like there was a they didn't have figure out interstellar interstellar communication. Uh, they weren't able to figure out anything like Scott, but they were able to. They so didn't they, need they did to because like, they didn't want over. to be separated. Well, yeah, so, well, they didn't want to be separated because it was a power thing. Like it wasn't from any like filial obligations. It was there was one. I think they had a king of the. I think it was a queen. I think they're high. Did they have high queens? Okay, yeah. I couldn't remember which one it was. It was it was but an so insectoid they, race. They had a queen. I mean, not all insectoid races. No, no, you're right. Are, like, I mean, I didn't mean it in that sense. Uh, I'm saying that it was an insectoid race with a queen. Okay, so the queen like didn't want her subjects to go and spread out and her have competing queens to pop up in other star systems. So she would order out expeditions that didn't have a queen with them. Yeah. To go and bring back resources so that her own system could grow and, and continue to produce and have more resources to sustain her growing population. Right. Which is, like, really cool. Because if you look at... Let's compare it to um, the buggers from the I was universe. thinking about the buggers, yeah. They had an intrinsic interstellar communication thing evolved in them. Yeah. And that's why they were spread out so much. I feel like the others are kind of, like, just the opposite. Like, they're ex- the only similarity is they're insectoids. Other than that, they're entirely different. Well, yeah, I mean, the buggers, they had queens, right? And the queens were fighting, but they sort of evolved past that. The queens were like, no, let's, let's think about the good of, like, the whole population, the whole race. And they, like sort of each claimed their territory and like grew the whole race whereas in this world it seems like one queen prevailed and was like iron grip on her population yeah so like the others 100 percent you know malicious they didn't care like it wasn't like they because there's plenty of sources out there they could have avoided the populated ones yeah no totally they just well you have that conversation with them and i thought that was a cool workaround Mm -hmm. that they um had found a mandarin probe so they like were able to communicate with humans <clears throat> or yeah, the, they found the cool. Chinese probe, which spoke Mandarin. Anyway, so yeah, exactly. they basically said, like, oh, no, you're just food. Like, you're not one of us, you're food. And I get kind of bored with the idea that, like, oh, cool, so we found an advanced alien species, and they're obviously going to be malicious because, you know, humans are now a space-faring species. And, you know, in Bob's hands, we're not malicious. We're just trying to, like, find places to go, not trying to take over anywhere else. Just want to spread out a little bit. And it's not yeah, like yeah. the buggers of Ender's Game where we couldn't communicate with them, and that's why they thought that we were, you know, non-intelligent life, and they started terraforming us. Um, right. It was just straight up, like, they could communicate with us, and they were like, nah. <laughs> your food. Like, we'll get to you. Your food. Um, <laughs> so, I liked that, because I, I agree with you, it kind of gets tiresome. Like, you look like uh, the Covenant in the Halo series, the, you know... Yeah, really there's always an excuse. Like, the other forms... Yeah, there's always, you know, there's always a, but whenever humanity comes up with an alien race, very rarely are they friendly. Yeah. Which is like, and that is, I want us to meet a spacefaring race that's chill. Just once. <laughs> I always like StarCraft because, like, the Protoss and the StarCraft are, like, not outright malicious towards humanity, but, like, they're deeply distrusting. They view them as other alien and they don't really want to talk to them. Yeah. Like, they'll deal with them on occasion, but they'll just as likely to kill them. But, like, like they have sort of an uneasy, like, truce. Like, no one really wants to go to Yeah, it's like they're not openly... Yeah, then it's not No one's comfortable with the idea of total extermination. Exactly. I think that's, like, a more realistic perspective on, like, if humanity found a a malicious race. Because I don't like the people that are freaking out when like we send out you know the voyager probes that have like the pulsar map yeah, to find earth it's xenophobic and it's it's extremely xenophobic like why are you assuming yeah and you know every, very rarely are alien movies about like oh we found this chill alien race like you know what i'd love to see i'd love to see a movie where like we made contact with an alien race and or they chill. came and found us and they're chill and they help us out but like i don't know maybe like a terrorist group that's xenophobic tries to kill them that would be really interesting you know? and i feel like that's gotta exist like that. maybe we just haven't encountered it yet ourselves but, um, yeah, I do get bored of, like, oh, well, this is a space-faring species, so they're obviously malicious and, like, want to kill us. It, that's That bumps me out. I'm like, what makes you think that empathy is strictly humanitarian? Like, why do you think it's just a human trait to have compassion? and Or just sort of, like, not a desire to exterminate? <laughs> because, by the way, yeah, humans exactly. also have a desire to exterminate, clearly. We've done they're it before. Shitty. And no doubt we'll do it yeah. again, depressing though that thought may be. Like, malice, neither malice nor compassion is something we have a monopoly on. I hope. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, hopefully. Unless well, we have a monopoly on sentience. Oh, I don't like that idea. I don't like that idea either. I want I to meet I other like idea. other races. My dream, no, CC, my secret dream is for, for interstellar travel is for, like, a, a benevolent alien race to make contact with us before I die. I know. And be like, 
what's up guys because it's the only way i can just realistically get in your slower travel like oh hey what's up fam yeah how's it going that'd be so awesome can you imagine being alive like while they're figuring out how to communicate and stuff like that that'd just be so incredible i don't think i like i don't think i'd ever be more excited for something like that would be an incredible time to be alive it probably won't happen like i look at that but we can hold on with the past too like in the past when like you know um borders were constantly shifting nations were being formed and destroyed in generations yeah especially like uh like when you see a dynasty change yeah i've been studying china this semester and when you see like a dynasty change in china mm-hmm. like the chin a guy could have been born in the dynasty before the chin lived through the chin and lived into the next dynasty the <laughs> yeah the world was in constant the chin dynasty was 21 years long i mean granted with all the of that change comes a lot years. of war and bloodshed a lot of the time yeah, but, like, it would be pretty interesting to look from the outside. Yeah, like, from a historian's perspective, for sure. If you're just kind of chilling and watching it happen. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not trying to, like, fight. Psh, please. <laughs> I'm trying to get myself involved. <laughs> Those guys can die. I'm just going to watch. Document. Yeah, so I uh, I definitely agree with the idea that, like, you know, bring back to the others. Like, I, I, that's annoying. There's one book series I like because, like, for a while I was reading it to see kind of, like, cheap sci-fi books that, like, were on Amazon, were on sale on Amazon. Uh-huh. And a couple of them, like, ended up being pretty good, but um, one of the ones that was, like, kind of, like, you know, just entertaining was uh, was one where, like, humanity, you know, fought, like, a pretty shitty alien race, and then later, like, a pretty chill one showed up and was like, oh, yeah, we're fighting those guys, too. You want to help? <laughs> and, like, that that was kind of chill. That's awesome. <laughs> like, oh, cool, a benevolent race. Nice. <laughs> Let's, like, be buds. And, and they do it really well, because, like, their thought processes are totally alien. All right. Like, there's no reason why sentience should be kind of the same kind of sentience across species. Totally. But, totally. So their thought processes are different, but, like, why can't they be also just hanging? I mean, yeah. Like, again, the universe, the buggers, eventually. Yeah. Why do, if why if they had been have, able to communicate we, sooner, that would have been how it was. We could have chilled. Exactly. That's one of the reasons I love the buggers in the universe. I know. They're, like, an actual, like, pseudo-benevolent species. Yeah. For sure. We don't have to talk sure. about it in this game. We are li- literally already did that. Well, we didn't cover the later ones. That's true. But we did cover the buggers. But, yes. Okay, so uh, moving on from the others, I guess. <laughs> um, so, do you want to talk do, about Did we Bob? cover the others? I feel like we covered the others. Well, okay. okay. I mean, uh, there's one thing to talk about with the others, which is how we dealt with them. Oh, yeah, Daedalus and Icarus. Yeah, Daedalus and Icarus. Progeny of Bill. My favorite Bob, by the way. Top Bob. Like, honestly, <laughs> I think Riker's my favorite Bob, but Bill's a close second. Riker's pretty awesome. I'm totally pro-Riker. There, there's not any Bobs yeah, that I don't like, except maybe Bob. Except Bob. Yeah, okay, we'll get to that. We'll though. get to him. Um, He's next. You're, <laughs> you're on deck, uh, Bob. Um, yeah, no, we should talk about how they dealt with uh, the others, which was freaking awesome technologically, but it's still kind of chilling. Um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of weird that they use the technology from the brazilians to do it i mean they did basically do to the others what the brazilians were trying to do to earth but like 10 times as as badass yeah right so, so they mo- let me see they they moved a moon right yeah they took they like each took moon. a moon and dropped them on either pole of the star in the other's system while going like close to light speed <laughs> like did a flyby oh yeah that was nuts i don't even know if that actually would work <laughs> Yeah, it seems like really impossible. I wonder how close they had to get to the system. I don't think it was explicit about that. Because unless you were going to like somehow like throw the boulder or the moon so that they made up for your velocity, like they were going to also be going close to light speed. I think the only chance was them to like like release it and immediately go at a 90 degree angle. Because there's no way they're slowing down enough. There's no way they stopped before the system. Yeah, because they would have gotten killed. Did it? Because the the others had a pretty pretty tight security going on. Because they were extremely advanced, yeah, like they it, just didn't want to colonize. They had uh, a Dyson like sphere, cons- by the way, which was awesome. Did, did they have a Dyson sphere? Yeah, they had a Dyson sphere around, around bullets- their planet, though, not around their sun. I feel like Dyson spheres are usually around Wait, the sun, aren't they? Was, in theory, it was around. It was around the planet. Are you sure? They had basically that going on. I mean, it wasn't picking up um stuff, but they were basically like using it as like a living space like they have people like living on satellites i think around their planet because they wanted to be so, so it was, tight it was, so it was a gigantic like world around like a shell yeah they had a, they world. had a metal shell around their world yeah okay all right i think they well, called it a dyson sphere in the me. book 
even though again i think right. destiny series are supposed to be around the sun to take all, all its energy but anyway just um, take it all yeah so they destroyed the sun basically to destroy the entire system that the others were in which right, definitely cool. this makes way more sense ensures that the others will never get get out <laughs> I find it funny that, like, they decided to destroy the sun instead of targeting a, a moon at their planet. No, it makes sense, because they had, like, spaceships and stuff. There could have still been some survivors if they hadn't destroyed the sun. Right, but they wouldn't have had a queen, theoretically. Yeah. But you don't want to assume perfect understanding. But, like, it also would have crippled the race. Yeah, like, but crippling wasn't good enough. They weren't going to stop. I mean, because it just seems oddly, like... Marshall? Like, Nihilus. Like, well, Nihilus don't love Bob. Like, Bob, it, it kind of, throughout the seri- throughout the books, in, in most of his iterations, is is whilst there are more Marshall Bobs, like Thor, you know, all of them are typically a pretty, like, all right, you know, we don't want to exterminate. Like, extermination is a final option. Like, maybe, like, you know, for a while, they were even trying to make peace with Medeiros until he, like, killed several Bobs. No, they tried to make peace with Medeiros once, and then they were like... Well, he's not gonna accept peace, so, like, we're gonna kill him. <laughs> we're gonna kill all Madeiras. Like, literally, like, a third of the way through the first book, they're like, okay, no quarter for him. Anytime we see him, it's straight to combat. Which is actually really funny, because they know, from their experience, how different they are. And they just, right. like, assumed that no Madeiras would ever talk to them. I guess yeah, they figured as much point. as they are intrinsically an engineer... Maybe Madeiras is intrinsically like a fanatical Brazilian, <laughs> and you know Brazilians according to the Baba first. Yeah, classy. I wonder if this guy had against Brazilians. Like, I wonder if he's <laughs> a Brazilian like some screwed country. his wife or something. <laughs> <laughs> he once loved a Brazilian woman. She broke his heart. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if Brazilians hate the series. I hope. So. I wonder if in Brazil it's America. <laughs> he rewrites it for the Brazilian release. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, no, I I do think that's weird, but, like, I don't know. It, just, it seems like a weird, like, you know, I, I don't really know. It, Bob seems oddly, like, out to finish it. Or the Bob seems oddly out to finish it when, like, okay, yeah, so the others have done some shitty things, but, like, you know, and Madeiros is, at his core, like a replicant, and there are other replicants. There are other you know, Brazilian's alive. Like, he's not the last of his kind. Where, as opposed to, like, the others, if you kill them, you kill the only other advanced alien race you've come in contact with. So if you kill all of them, like, that's all the advanced alien races. That's oddly, like... I think that's an oddly finalist approach for the Bobs. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's it's an interesting characteristic that does seem to be, like, shared among all of them, that they're like, okay... We'll give you a chance, but if you make it clear that you don't want to be negotiated with, then we'll wipe you away. We will delete you from the universe. Yeah, that's a very... I mean, that's... Even though the whole time he's like, I'm a pacifist. (laughs) We're like, well, not really. Yeah, Yeah, this this is the guy that refuses to build explosives, okay? (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think he also... It's not just a... um, It's not like a pacifist thing. It's that he doesn't want to accidentally destroy himself. Well, I think it's weird that, like, well, I mean, one, he wouldn't destroy himself, like, because like, he talked about, like, the dangerous part is the creation of the explosives. Yeah. And, you know, the printers aren't on Bob. Like, he unpacks them and, sent, and leaves them somewhere. But it's not like he doesn't like weapons. He's got weapons. He just doesn't want bombs. I think And if he destroys all his printers, the line, then he's screwed. He can't print more printers. <laughs> okay, yeah, but, like... One, there are tons of bobs. Two, like, he could separate the print. He could, like, have, like, all right, I'm going to take, like, a small amount of printers to go and do the the bombs. Like, all I'm saying is this. If he took, a, like, a little bit of effort and a tiny bit of the creativity that he's shown he has in abundance, <laughs> he just he freaking tried, bombs. Bob, you lazy bastard. Yeah, no, I think it's a weird, like, clearly he has some sort of, like, internalistic, like, hatred of explosives. Yeah. And it isn't until later he talks about how they're dangerous to print. Early on, it's like, I don't like bombs. I guess. But he does like extermination, clearly. Yeah, but he does like (laughs) genocide. Yeah, Bob the Xenocide. Bob the Xenocide. (laughs) Crossover hit. Fuck you, Bob. (laughs) You ain't no Ender. You'll never be Ender. Let's, let's Let's move on to our Bob hate section. Um, let's save it for next week. All right, so we'll discuss um, some of the more specific bobs we're kind of into next week. 
or in two weeks rather i thought you said we were doing bob hate uh, we gotta do bob hate it's not all bob hate though there will be other stuff like other characters i mean there's bob hate like we're not doing like an hour of bob hate <laughs> don't worry it won't be too negative to listen to we swear like and bob is bob's like, he loves to don't hate. spend this next two weeks going man i want to hate bob so much it's the bob averse <laughs> no bob bob's bob's done I'm, shit. I'm chill with almost all bobs though I'm really chill with all bobs, I, but I have some constructive criticism for at least one. <laughs> Bob is my least favorite Bob. It is. That doesn't mean I don't like him. <laughs> yes, all exactly. Right, so, Just like you're my least uh, favorite so sibling, in... but I still like you. Harsh. <laughs> that's okay, nine peeps. So that's it for uh, for this week. We'll see. We'll talk to you guys in two weeks, and uh, we'll discuss more of the bobs and let, give you guys an opportunity to finish the series because, I don't know. Uh, maybe you got lazy, or maybe you're like, we'll see if this actually is cool. And then to be fair, we've already spoiled like a cool. lot of the stuff, so hopefully you finished I mean, yeah, it before this like, episode. But they do it way more eloquently than we do, like the books. The, yeah, so. you should totally still finish them. Definitely worth finishing because lots of stuff happens, including stuff we haven't see, talked did, did about they yet. Read, did they read the books before they listen to the podcast? Because that kind of spoils the podcast. We told them to, and we hope that they do. I mean, no, I don't. I don't want them to spoil the podcast, and they don't have to come to us. We don't use the podcast to recap. Sometimes we get a little recappy, but that's not the point of the podcast. We synopsis. We synopsis, Cece. No, you synopsis. I, I barely say anything in the synopsis, because there's not enough time. I don't want a 10-minute synopsis, so I can detail, explain the entire series. All right, so if you want to get in touch with us, uh, <laughs> you can... You can email us uh, at a sci-fi sidebar at signifyingnothingnetwork.com. You can uh, find us on signifyingnothingnetwork.com if you want to you know. Just find us. A couple people are still making accounts, and I kind of think it's hilarious and really hopeful because no postings in the forum. They just have the accounts, which I dig. <laughs> Please post. I want to know more about you, mysterious account yeah, makers. Is it bots? Do bots do that? No, there's... No, Convince there's, us there's you're a not bots. <laughs> no, Cece, convince us you're not Bob's. <laughs> Bob's like, I want to hear what these fuckers have to say about me. <laughs> I hear you have a Bob hate episode coming out. We're well, <laughs> gonna have a pod hate post on your wall. We just on, go on online and there's like one star reviews from Bob. <laughs> Five star that. reviews from Bill and Riker. <laughs> <laughs> do that. Do that. Come uh, review us under the pseudonyms Bill and Riker. Or if your names are actually Bill and Riker, please definitely review us. And if you are no, Bill if your and name Riker, is Riker, email us. Email us. We'll have you on the pod. Because I want to know. <laughs> Riker, not Bill. Bill's common. I've never met yeah. a Riker. Okay. We can't have all Bills on the pod. We're sorry. <laughs> There's so many Bills. So, on that note, please review us on iTunes. <laughs> Apple Podcasts. We're being so unprofessional. It's not iTunes anymore. It's Apple Podcast. Um, what really? Ew. Yes. Review us Pay on iTunes, not Apple Podcast. <laughs> Shut up, Peter. <laughs> Please come <laughs> review us five stars. You know. Um, um. And if you have any feedback for us, we would really love to hear it. So please email us. Uh, if you want to get started on our next book, and it's coming out in a month for our next series or next up, uh, next book coverage is going to be Children of Time. Uh, it's a really cool book. I super enjoy it. It brings up some pretty interesting questions, and um, there's a little science in there. And it's, like, really hopeful for humanity, and then it crushes humanity, which is kind of, like, pretty chill, I guess. Okay. I, I'm Go on something else. I'm going to find the author for that book. It goes with the same love-hate attitude that we all share, I think. All right. Uh, it's Children of Time by Adrian Tchaikovsky. So, uh, check that out. And um, it's on Audible. It's pretty short, and it's very interesting. All right, what else we got? Is that it? Uh, I think that's pretty much it. So. Oh, you can find us on Facebook. Sorry. At uh, fa- well, it's facebook.com forward slash sci-fi sidebar. Yes. Um, yeah, just go ahead and give us a like. Go ahead and you know give us a share. Uh, tell your friends. We we really appreciate it. We uh we actually have a surprising uh, community. So thanks to you guys for kind of getting in on the ground floor of things. Um, you know we we have more downloads than I think we expected to have. <laughs> yeah, you really have uh, been treating us very nicely. Seems like some people are sharing with their friends, and we're very grateful. And, oh, I want to emphatically uh, apologize for the delays recently. Uh, the first one was caused, as you guys know, by CC not uploading. The second one was caused by me going to D.C. for three days on a trip and forgetting my laptop. Basically, we're Mind not you, allowed I to travel the, anymore. I brought the laptop back. You I did not have a laptop bag? in it. You didn't tell me that. <laughs> you dumb but idiot. I had the You're damn like, my charger. Why my laptop so light? <laughs> I literally thought that. Well, to <laughs> be fair, I woke up at 4.30. Like, huh, I remember it being this light. But you still left. I got up at 
No, no, I, I got before 30, I carried like a pile of things in one hand down to my car, got my car, drove away, was loading my stuff up into the van that I met to actually go to D.C. in. And that's and when you thought my I, laptop bag And was I was light. carrying my laptop bag in one hand on its own, and I was like, shit, this is light, fuck. Oh, so you realized it as you left? Well, as I left, I had a second as in, location. like, I met, I met another van about 45 minutes away from my apartment that I drove to in my car. Anyway... Yeah, so it wasn't the worst thing I've done, but like it was pretty shitty. Basically, both of these are caused by us traveling, and we're not allowed to travel anymore, so we're sorry. Yeah, that's our bad. It's okay. I'll be pretty much stuck in Pittsburgh for the rest of these episodes <laughs> anyway. Peter will use editing the podcast to procrastinate. He promises. Yeah, I have exams coming up. These podcasts are going to edit so fast. <laughs> It'll be his favorite thing to do. You'll get double episodes. Uh, Don't expect double episodes from us. All right, so, so <laughs> they're all me. <laughs> Cece so has the same amount of time. To? It's just me. How are you? I am fine. <laughs> this is this is weird. You're not answering. Oh wait, that's not how podcasts work. All right, so this has been Sci-Fi Sci-Far by Signifying Nothing Network. Part two will be out on the 26th of March. We should say that. Part two will be out on the 26th of March. Apparently. Yes. This has been Sci-Fi Sidebar by the Signifying Nothing Network. A tale told by idiots. All right. Bye.